1: Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Anthony Craparata. Anthony is the owner of LyricVids.com, the internet's number one lyric video production company, with over 250 million, yes, million views of their videos on YouTube. Lyric videos bring music recordings to life, and from his Toronto animation studio, Anthony and his team have produced lyric videos for newer artists, including Drake, Ed Sheeran, Jason Derulo. Adam Levine, and Machine Gun Kelly, as well as for classic or legacy artists, including Aretha Franklin, Stevie Nicks, Paul Anka, Gloria Gaynor, and Mr. Boombastic Shaggy. Anthony also has a music career of his own. He is known as the rapper Ill Vibe, an independent recording artist and frequent touring performer known for creating raw, unfiltered music. It's great to talk to Anthony today about his dual talents as both an artist and as an entrepreneur. Welcome, Anthony, to Toronto
0: Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Oh, what a great intro. First of all, uh, it's so fun to hear my ill vibe uh, side brought up in the same bio as my Anthony Side because so often those are kind of two, a duality that are that that are that do not meet. Yes. Uh, many of my clients don't know about my music, and many of uh, my touring mates. I guess these days they know about my business, but they they are quite separate. Um, but I'm I'm doing really well. So we did start the company, and I'm a Toronto boy of many many years. Uh, but during COVID, we recently uh, left the city. We're a little closer to Hamilton now. Okay, uh, as we as the company grew, anyone who's in Toronto knows growing within the city is difficult to say the least. Uh, and so we had to kind of step outside the city for the business, but still the Toronto boy at heart. And everyone that works at lyricvids.com, are they in a studio together or are people working from home? Or how does that work? It's a mix of both. So we've got a great full-time team that's here in our office and studio that works with us day in and day out. And then we've got uh, a kind of supplementary team that works from their own home studios. And most of those are around the Toronto area as well with a couple of specialists in the States. But uh, most of us are GTA Southern Ontario peeps. Now, as I just
1: noted, you are both an artist and an entrepreneur, how do you split your time these days? What percent is spent as Ill Vibes, the rap artist, and what percent is spent running your very fast-growing lyric
0: video production company? Well, allow me to correct you—that it's Ill Vibe without the S. It's no problem; I get it often. But just, just for you, <laughs> just so you, when you say it over and over, you're not going to kick yourself later. I am striking the last. Yeah, S yeah, there. no, I, it, com- it comes up a lot actually. <laughs> um, these days, I am mostly the businessman. Uh, I still very much love making music. I've got. The best home studio I've ever had in my in this new home and office location that I'm out of now, and so I'm still very much down there, often making music. But as lyric vids has kind of grown and taken a little bit more of my time, energy, and uh, you know, creative attention, Ill Vibe has settled into his place as uh, he helps me with my therapy and he helps me communicate my feelings. But from a business perspective, I'm putting a lot less business onus on Ill Vibe to go out there and get me paid, if that makes yeah. sense. Because now Lyric Vids kind of does that for me. Kind of nice because it frees me up to just make the art that I like to make on the music side without having to worry about what the trends are or what yeah. you know, what the label might want and kind of be free over there. Lyric Vids has got me on the on the bottom line.
1: Well, as you know, it's a great duality. You get these two lives. Lyric videos, let's jump right into this. Yeah. I do not understand what lyric videos are. <laughs> Let me frame it for you, Anthony, before you educate me. I am 53 years old. When I hear music videos, I think Toronto Rocks, Much Music, Duran Duran's, Hungry Like the Wolf. That's a video. I don't think this is what lyric videos are. So I phoned my much younger sister, Paula, who, as a professor at George Brown, is much more in tune with today's youth. And she says that she thinks lyric videos are karaoke. I think this is also incorrect. So finally, (laughs) I went to my 16-year-old, asked her what lyric videos are. She looked at me like I was an idiot, explained that, yes, lyric videos are, in fact, how she gets introduced to new music from artists like Jason Derulo, Pop Smoke, Kalani, and, of course,
0: Drizzy Drake. Anthony, what are lyric videos? What a great question. And I love that you've uh, kind of broke us down on the the little generation gap on lyric videos. It definitely is is a thing, and I think... You know, when YouTube exploded, when YouTube exploded, uh, once upon a time, it really changed the nature of video production, right? Once upon a time, it was all about music videos airing on Much Music and MTV. And I'm in my 40s as well, or I'm about to be. My birthday's coming up. All right. Um, And that's the heyday I'm from as well, where it was all about the band with as much money as the label's willing to throw at it, playing on top of rooftops, flying through space, and all of these kinds of things. But what has happened in the music industry since is through YouTube and social media and Spotify and all these – evolutions is it's become a lot more fragmented and grassroots. And labels aren't, even on the big artists, typically spending the the crazy Michael Jackson and Busta Rhymes budgets from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And so on the major label side, what lyric videos are, it is a piece of digital animated video, sometimes with, you know, cartoon animation, super animated, or it might just be you know mixed media using photos and videos and textures and paper and all these other pieces, but digitally animated asset that brings the song to life. And so it it allows the uh, the label and the artist to share the song on YouTube, which is typically a visual medium, as is Instagram, as is TikTok, and all these other places where people might happen upon their new favorite song. And it gives them a, vi- a visual vehicle to share the song and for fans to interact with the song and to share it out to their friends and to learn the lyrics and kind of all these other Interactives, and then on the independent artist side, because we work a lot with indies as well that no one's ever heard of. It gives them an entry point to a video because they truly likely aren't going to have the budget for a five or ten or twenty thousand dollar music video. And if they do have that budget, they struggle to get a return on that investment as independent artists. Those YouTube stream numbers don't just don't add up to getting an indie their ten or fifteen thousand dollars back. And so for them, I think lyric videos act as A great entry point to giving them a professional, polished visual asset that feels like it might have come from a big label, but tailored to them and to what their vibe is and and their brand as an artist and what their song is about. So for for either, it ultimately kind of takes the audio piece and creates a visual element that hopefully, if we do our job correctly, acts as like an extension of the song. So if the song is very calm or very chaotic, then we make sure that the visual kind of accompanies it. So it's really a seamless you know, audio visual experience. And that's that's what we shoot for with with each lyric video production.
1: I think that's great. So a digitally animated asset shares the music. You've defined it. The obvious follow-up question, why do we
0: need lyric videos? What's the purpose? You you alluded to it a little, but talk about why an artist would do one. So if you're an independent artist or if you're, let's say you're Jason Derulo and it's your new hit single, because ultimately the big difference is budget between those two, but the but the goal is, is largely similar. You go on the internet and you're like, how do I get all these people to know I have this audio thing, audio art piece I just made? It's a song. I feel really great about it. And there's millions, if not billions of these people on the internet bouncing around, looking at things, entertaining themselves. And you want to serve your song in front of as many of those people as possible so that they can, some of them anyways, will be into it. Some of them will say, hey, this is a genre I like. This is a vibe I like. Oh, this sounds like another artist I'm into. And then they hopefully add you kind of into their their musical circulation. And that's, that's the dream of every artist, right? Is that somewhere some teenager is listening to their record for, with all their friends. And how do we get there? Everything becomes about a strategy to get into that place, onto that person's playlist, you know? And lyric videos, I think are a really effective first step to that. Because those people are hanging out on Instagram. They're hanging out on YouTube. They're hanging out on Facebook, TikTok, etc. Uh, and in the, probably in a year from now, there'll be a new place that they're all hanging out. And the musicians want those people to have an authentic interaction with their song to potentially create a relationship with. Everything starts there. It's about trying to create an opportunity for an interaction with your song, with new music fans out in the world, or maybe your existing music fans. And that's why... The lyrics are important because people want to learn the lyrics and develop a relationship with kind of the metaphors and the poetry of the record. But then also, um, you know, we can take the single cover, which maybe has like clouds on it or some, some aesthetic that you and your team have like decided on and extrapolate that. Take it a little further. So if it's clouds, where do the clouds go? Are there airplanes? Can we go past the clouds up into space? How can we build that universe out a little bit further? And I think a really good comparison that I've been making lately as I kind of get back into vinyl collecting is it reminds me of the experience of opening the vinyl record and then there's the inserts with the lyrics and maybe additional photos of the band you've never seen and behind the scenes and, oh, there's a little note from the drummer to his mom or, like, whatever. All, those, all that extra stuff that you used to love kind of, like, sorting through as you were falling in love with the album. Lyric videos don't do all of those things, but there's some similarities there with the addi- with additional behind-the-scenes photos and maybe the handwriting of the artist is actually the lyrics, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it gives you some of that experience as well.
1: Well, it makes so much sense when you talk about building a relationship. The uh, aforementioned 16-year-old in my house She's into the vinyl, which shocks me, and it's exactly what you said. She's got the, the new SZA uh, album, and it's like just what you said. It's more than just the vinyl. It's the whole package that it came with. So I understand for the current generation. How about for oldsters like me? You work with legacy artists. Mm-hmm. I like Stevie Nicks. What is in this for me or for Stevie Nicks to put together a lyric video for her kind of legacy material?
0: Yeah. So in Stevie's case, it's a little bit of a hybrid because obviously she is a legend. It doesn't get much more legendary than Stevie. Um, But the record we did a video for was a new Stevie song. So it's sometimes when we're working with these legacy artists, it is on new material. And let's be honest, the new material doesn't have as much heat on it as the songs that they wrote that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that we've all been singing for 40 years. And so they need to put a little visual aside it for the same reason that that I do is that like, hey, I'm I'm still around here making really cool things. And if you love my old stuff, check this out. Sometimes we're lucky enough that the record label will contact us and say, hey, it's the 25th anniversary of this Luther Vandross song or this Beach Boys song or Paul Anka or whatever. And we want something new, something that feels polished up to today's standards in terms of just like resolution even. Not that the old videos aren't even as cool, but they're certainly lower resolution than what we're doing today. And we need something that just feels fresh and new so that when people are searching this song, they're not just looking at these old standard definition things that were posted 40 years ago or whatnot. And so it's kind of like an updated visual. And the old videos are still there, and then we'll uh, we'll do that. So we've done some of this for Foreigner. We did I Want to Know What Love Is and Cold Is Ice. And that's just a blast. Anytime you're working on new visuals for songs you've heard since you were a young boy, there's something really cool that kind of, as, as a creator, that happens in that place. And that's some, those might be our favorite ones.
1: And you know, those uh, my kid doesn't want to hear any of those songs on the radio, but I think this is to your point. When she sees it either as a lyric video or sampled in a newer song, suddenly it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and, and she's into it.
0: And the internet's a funny thing, right? Like it's a big consciousness. So if you never update... Your visuals for some icon, let's say you're like in a band and you had one hit in the 70s or 80s and you've never updated that video, it's way more likely that your song is gonna get kind of forgotten by modern, the modern kind of cloud of the masses, you know? Um, and not to say that making a lyric video instantly makes that record go viral again, but it's certainly one of the things that keeps it in the public consciousness so that if some, let's say you're some young TikTok influencer for whatever reason is on YouTube and they, come across this updated video, they're way more likely to stick around and be like, hey, I think my dad used to listen to this or whatever. (laughs) And then before you know it, that sample ends up in a TikTok video. And that's like, that's how Fleetwood Mac songs go viral again, et cetera. So (laughs) I think we're just one of the pieces that help old things have a kind of newer resonance and buzz around them, which sometimes can snowball into who knows, sync licenses in movies and commercials, or it pops up on a on TikTok viral video. And these days, those are the kinds of things that you can't pay for. You can only hope that the, the internet does its magic, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. And goes viral. Yeah. On the, on the education front, you've explained lyric videos. Let's maybe dive a little because you can help me differentiate. You do lyric
0: videos, animated videos, and visualizers. W- what's the difference there? Super easy. So basically, they're all, they're all the same thing. The difference is what's happening on screen. So if your song doesn't have lyrics or for whatever reason, the lyrics aren't as important to you uh, for that release or whatever, some people choose to go with a visualizer. A visualizer is just a lyric video without lyrics. And so obviously if you take the lyrics out, you do have to think about the creative a little differently because there's this kind of big focal point that isn't there. Um, But for DJs, for jazz musicians, for pianists and these kinds of things, it's just an animated visual that, again, feels like an extension of the record and the music and the vibe. Um, But of course, there isn't lyrics and an animated music video. We all know what that is because who doesn't love cartoons uh, (laughs) is we just make we make cartoons, man. Uh, So sometimes they're super old retro like G.I. Joe style cartoons. We really love resurrecting art styles from like the 80s and 90s when we're playing around with cartoons. And more recently, we've been working in the CG 3D space. A la Pixar, but definitely not Pixar, you know. Um, but we're doing some, we're doing right now our very first CG animated music video uh, for a track that features Tidal Sign, which we're really excited about. And so we're always taking new kind of steps in different animation styles and things like that. And then the other st- animation style, which is not really what you asked for, but I think it's kind of interesting, is we get a lot of requests right now for something like anime, like Japanese anime. So it's, it's funny how that's really kind of like permeated through the music industry where bands and rappers are just obsessed with this style of animation and they wanna see what they would look like as an anime character. Uh, And so we've been doing a ton of that in particular recently.
1: Well, when you talk about the process, I'm obviously it's creative and I'm thinking all your team is creators, they're creators, creators. And now you talk about you're doing CG animation, CG, computer generated. Where's the line between
0: creative and the technology or are they kind of just mixed together? Oh, it's a, it's a mishmash, man. When you are doing creating in the modern day with animation, software, and computers, you are a little bit of both. Unfortunately, I spend a fair bit of my time here in the studio doing uh, technical troubleshooting. It's not my favorite part of my job, but when it's, you know, Jason Derulo's song is out tomorrow and the, the render keeps crashing, you got, you've got got all hands on deck trying to figure out how to get this video off your computer and over to Derulo's team, you know? And so they definitely do uh, mash together, but we try our best to... You know, keep the machines running smoothly so you can kind of exist as the creative mind in the in the middle of all of that. And, you know, our favorite our very favorite thing to do in the whole world is to listen to the song. And, you know, you're thinking about what the theme of the song is and the vibe of the song, maybe what color the song speaks to you as. And then also, You're going to go over and look at the artist's social media. Like, what's their deal? Are they super polished and put together? Like, you can kind of learn a little bit about them. And then also, what's trending? What's cool in design, et cetera? And then you start to mishmash all those things together in a soup and stir it all up. And then out the other side, you pour something really cool and custom that factors in who they are, what's the song all about, and what's... What can you do as a designer to elevate all of that? And that kind of mishmashing of things into one kind of create creative new thing, that's our favorite part about all of this. But even if I was a great creator, I do not have the technical
1: expertise to translate that into something that becomes a lyric video. Are your people working in kind of teams, a, a creative person and a technical person, or can they be
0: one in the same? When you're an animator, you're forced to be a little bit of one in the same. So there are a few people on our team, my partner, Jess Robert, who's our creative director. She is the most creative person I've ever worked with. She's not the most technical person. So definitely I have to fill in the gaps a little bit there. But most of our other animators, they're self-taught animation, which requires many, many, many hours and years of just working on it and i think like anything else when you spend that much time in the software you you start to know it inside and out the same way a music producer knows the drum machine inside and out and when it crashes they know exactly what to do uh that's the same thing when you're when you're an animator animation is one of those uh skill sets that there's no shortcut on and i, I almost wish there was because when it's time for me to hire unfortunately there's no speeding up the process and teaching someone animation they just need to spend the time you know Doing the iterations and uh, and I think that ultimately makes you a real a real valued expert and that's why I really value all of the creatives on my team.
1: And of course, at this time in the world, everyone's obsessed with AI and mm-hmm. chatbots. How is AI affecting what you do, or or it's not affecting what you do?
0: So far, it's not really affecting what we do, although we're definitely paying a lot of attention as content creators in a world where it looks like content's going to be automated somewhat. So in-house, we are using a little bit of AI as inspiration. You know, when we're dreaming up cool ideas, you know, one thing you can do is use AI to throw some of those keywords in and see what comes out the other side. So we've been playing around with it a little bit in the brainstorming sessions. Um, and we're certainly looking at more and there's a lot to be learned about you know, there's a lot of lines being drawn about what's allowed with AI and usage rights, and where do they get their thing from? And so we're 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 watching that play out eagerly to see where it lands. And on the flip side, we're not too worried about AI disrupting what we do because, as we mentioned, animation is quite a robust deep thing. And I don't I think we're quite a ways away from from AI being able to handle an an entire uh, deep animation project. I think probably it will be. Static images and simple stock video clips in the in the near future that get uh, kind of disrupted by AI. But we're we're big fans. We're playing with it and we're mm. eager, eagerly following along as it kind of makes its makes space for itself kind of in this creative industry. Lyric videos, by
1: definition, the lyrics are on my screen when mm-hmm. I am in the car listening with my kid to Lil Uzi Vert. I am horrified by what I'm hearing. How
0: are you going to handle quote bad language? We get it a lot. Um, you know, one of we do every genre. We work in country music. Shout out to my friends in Nashville, some of my favorite stuff. Even though I don't listen to country on my own, having worked on that genre so much, I've like built a little affinity for it because it's just like, "Oh wow, it's so cute and warm and cuddly and like I love it." And the same thing, we do a lot of EDM work with the with the labels out of the, out of the Netherlands and I never I wasn't raised on EDM, but I've really learned to love the genre and the the highs and the lows and the drops and the vocal samples. But one of our most common genres and clients are the hip hop labels. And I think it's because of the nature of the genre, really lends to lyric videos. They're rapping so fast, people want to know what they're saying. And it brings up a lot of things. One, often the labels don't know the lyrics. So they'll send us the stuff and they're like, hey, this artist is in jail or MIA, or just they don't write their lyrics down as a part of their creative process. Uh, And, you know, what can be done? And so we've gotten pretty good at transcribing those lyrics me having rapped for many years certainly helps listening over and over to a line and decoding what i think the guy might be saying um and if they do know the lyrics sometimes occasionally they're somewhat problematic they're violent or scary you know and so for us we've tried to draw a little bit of a line in that if something is violent or harsh we don't we don't mind we just kind of take it the way you, like you're watching an action movie or something, you know, where it's like, hey, this is their reality. They come from a harsh place. They're, they're telling that story. However, we have drawn a line on things like anti-female or not that this ever comes up, but like racist or homophobic lyrics, certainly less and less uh, on the ladder of, the, of those things. Yeah. So we've just tried to make it that that's not something that we're super interested in. And we've had turned a couple of projects away over the last year or two that we felt didn't fit within that. And that's just us trying to be responsible partners in the industry. When you think
1: about the way uh, technologies evolve, people are in their basement, kind of independent creators, making their own kind of creative pieces. And I would guess there's a lot of people making their own lyric videos or songs. And how do you interact with these kind of individual made-at-home creators who are doing their own thing in their bedroom or their basement? Essentially, these are competitors to you. Do you encourage them? Or what's your reaction when someone creates something of their own from the basement? First of all, they're
0: not competitors. We encourage it. I come from a a viewpoint that there is enough for everybody. So not only is somebody making a lyric video for themselves or their favorite band, not a competitor, um, but also when I'm doing chats like this, I'm giving away lots of gems that someone could uh, potentially go out and make lyric videos in their hometown for the bands, etc, etc. I really don't view that as a, a place of competition. Certainly when I was starting, I was a little bit more careful, you know, eating with my elbows up, careful about my secret sauce. I don't want anyone learning how I do what I do so that they can come in and take away the thing that we that we've got. But over the years, we've been here for eight years now. We're approaching 275 million YouTube views. We work with every major label under the sun. I couldn't be any busier if I wanted to. And at a certain point, I think, The healthy thing to do is just be like, hey, we're as busy as we can get. So I'm totally okay with other people out there learning the craft. I also know that learning animation is not easy. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I would actually say as a general note, if you find animation intriguing, go learn it. It's a a very valuable skill. We've had this amazing adventure from many years ago, teaching ourselves animation. Um, So that's answering the kind of the competitive element. And also, I came up on, on YouTube. There's a reason we started making these these videos. I really love the way the community remixes things. Like, oh, this song went viral. Well, I'm going to make a video to that one, mashing it up with this one. I'm going to add the lyrics. so well, I'm going to put emojis in place of all the, the swear words, or whatever the, the kind of the, the fans' take on that lyric video would be. It all adds to the interaction around the song. It all builds the idea that hey, music should have a visual dimension to it which is a big thing that we believe here that video is like an extension of the audio kind of dimension of the of the song i say the more the merrier short answer the more the merrier (laughs) absolutely
1: and and in a way it could be like the minor leagues for you we've all heard the stories of uh jay-z here's somebody making a beat from their basement got wind of it, put it on one of their records, and suddenly this person's uh, moved up. And I guess you could find people doing
0: their own work. Yeah, it does. Every now and then, so we get a lot of emails saying, hey, you do lyric videos, like I do lyric videos. And mostly my response is, hey, this isn't quite where we are, but keep at it and you know, let me know if you ever get over a certain threshold and make a video like this. And I'll send them an example of a video from us that you know, I think is achievable from, from their place because we're always open to having talented creatives kind of enter, enter our world. And let's talk about the other side of your duality, Ill Vibe.
1: When and how did you become the rap artist, Ill Vibe, and maybe go back to your
0: background in Barry. All the way back to Barry, huh? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I've been making music for many, many years, way before I ever had the dream of making videos for other artists. I was you know, in my bedroom writing songs as a young buck, and I'm old enough that I was around during that uh, 90s push of you know, rappers like Busta Rhymes and Nas tribe called Quest and these guys and so I took the name ill vibe which was a song by Busta rhymes and Q-tip from a tribe called quest my two favorite rappers when I was a 13 year old boy uh, 26 years ago now I made music for many years and I still do coming out of Canada it was it was and remains quite difficult to export your art in a meaningful way to travel with your music to get on the charts in other countries and these kinds of things and I had a couple of successes over the years I made it on a t- you know viral fifth most Viral 50 songs in America on Spotify at one point, and I had a number one song on or number one album on Canadian college radio, and just like some of these kinds of accolades, uh, opened for Chris Brown and Kalani in Croatia, and like some really fun kind of opportunities. But the thing about the music industry, and I think this is sort of interesting, kind of tying all of kind of my story together between Ill Vibe and Lyric Vids, is the business of the music music industry is very very tough, and I'm quite a business savvy person, so the further I made it into the music industry. The more I realized that despite the accolades and the support from my label, shout out to Fontana North, they're amazing, and despite great publicists, Sam, you're the best, and all of these kind of cool, I'm not I'm not I'm not getting where I'd like to go. And the minute I took some of that same energy and I applied it into a different creative space, one that has a more obvious customer for at the at the end of the day, like selling to the record labels, etc., I really found my happy place because I love making music. Right now, you can go to Spotify, Ill Vibe. I've got new records that just came out. I've got a new record coming out in February. But for me, the big takeaway is learning the right balance of music industry in your life as an artist, because it is quite difficult. It's difficult to make money. It's difficult to get ahead. And that was all before TikTok. I'm an old enough guy that my, <laughs> my challenges are pre, pre-TikTok challenges. These are Spotify challenges and iTunes challenges. Uh, it's a whole other game today.
1: And please tell me that you do have uh, lyric videos for your songs.
0: I do, always. Uh, My favorite thing here is when things get a little bit slow. It's like, hey, what am I working on today? I'm like, oh, I got something for you guys. I got a brand new Ill Vibe song and I'll show them the single art and be like, hey, let's give me the treatment that we give everybody else. But I will say, I get jealous because our best videos that we've ever done are not for me. The best videos that we've ever done are for for someone else. Uh, And I'm like, damn, why didn't I think of that when it was my turn uh, to make a video?
1: Well, my podcast colleague, Mike Boone, hosts the podcast Toronto Mike, and for his more than 1,200 episodes, the intro music is performed by none other than Bill Vibe. How did this job come
0: about? What a small world.
1: Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Toronto Mike. He helped me get this podcast going. He is the podfather of Canadian <laughs> podcasting. How'd you get
0: that gig? So I don't remember, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think a mu- we had a mutual friend, another gentleman named Mike, who passed away. Rest in peace to our friend Mike Kick, um, who introduced me to Toronto Mike many, many, many years ago. I was a much younger man with a much more complete hairline. <laughs> um, and I recorded uh, what I thought was uh, an intro for a podcast I'd never hear again, if I'm being honest. I was like, oh, cool. Toronto podcast this is early days of podcasts. Regional Toronto podcast. This is going nowhere. Uh, not, not that I thought that he was going nowhere. I just didn't expect... 10 years later, people will still be asking me about that podcast intro. And it's so funny over the years. Every now and then it's like, hey, we're on episode 1000, episode 2000. Shout out to Ilvibe. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm very happy with what I recorded. But I wish I had realized in that moment uh, that it, this would be echoing th- for decades through time. And Mike and I have talked a few times about me recording something else for the podcast. And I think this, this is going to be the year I finally do that. Because uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> All right. No, he is not. He is not.
1: Shout out to Toronto Mike. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview, please check out the more than 100 additional episodes available anytime. We've got Canada's original supermodel, Monica Schneer, Blue Rodeo's Basil Donovan, Glass Tiger's Alan Frew, and Chalk Circle's Chris Tate. So many great behind-the-scenes stories directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365 wherever you get your podcasts. (whistles) Now, when you started this company, lyricvids.com, 2015, you have a very interesting story to tell about the
0: purchase price for your domain name. I do, great question. So Jess and I, who is my business partner, but also my partner in life, we, at the time, were running a music video production business, just shooting music videos for all the local rappers and bands in, in Toronto, run it, run and gun, you know, where you're running on the Toronto streetcar with a tripod on your shoulder and a camera in your backpack and bouncing between concerts to film people's sets. And we were getting so many requests for lyric videos, But if I'm being honest, we had no interest. I was just like, no, we like the run and gun with the video, the camera and the tripod. But around 2015 in the spring, it occurred to us that maybe we didn't want to do another winter of running around the city with the tripod and camera gear. My camera was turning off in the negative 20 temperatures where it's like the the, the technology doesn't even operate at some of those temperatures uh, in the harsh Canadian colds. And so we bought for, I believe, $10 or maybe $20 uh, the domain for lyricvids.com. And we had only ever made one lyric video. We were just like, hey, this I think is going to be a direction. And so began a, a small learning process, which turned into a larger learning process, which is essentially then taken over our entire lives. And now we have an entire um, building where people work out of it and we live out of it. And we, ch- we had to leave the city to expand. And it's that little $10 investment or $20 investment. We'll say $20 to be safe. <laughs> um, it What we thought was a little kind of hail mary of a hey we'll see if this is a- if this is anything people would want this um i don't think we realized what we were getting into because it's really become a m- quite a monster uh but from e- then so but even then you made a great business decision
1: because you were looking yeah. at an alternative domain name that was quite a bit more expensive
0: yeah um lyric video what, what, what was it Lyricvideos.com. yeah lyricvideos.com would have been like three thousand or four thousand dollars and lyricvids.com was basically un- unrecognized as an opportunity because what people do is they'll buy the domains for any buzzword. So like right now, you know, they're going to buy anything related to AI. All those domain names are getting bought up like crazy just in case someone wants to later on launch a company with that name. Then they can, of course, resell it for more money. This is kind of this domain hustle that people will do. So yeah, lyricvideos.com was an insane multi-thousand dollar purchase. And at that time, I was like, I've only made one lyric video. Why would I ever? But lyric vids was was less. And I was like, well, we're vids, baby. It's uh <laughs> at, at, at the lower investment. Let's go. Vids all day.
1: A good first call. Now, I want to ask you about how you price your services. Mm-hmm. When it's creative,
0: I think it, it must be a great
1: challenge to not undervalue your creative services. How did you do you ask the client's budget? Do you have tiers of pricing? How would you come to terms with how you're gonna price what you produce?
0: Well, for us, when we were building lyric vids out from that. See, first seed idea we were thinking about you know why what would make this animation company successful what are other animation companies maybe doing quote-unquote wrong or could be done a little better and the first thing we stumbled on was as me as an artist as ill vibe if i had wanted to go get an animated music video or a lyric video i would have had to contact some company that doesn't necessarily specialize in them it's like a video company that maybe they've done a few and say hey i want a lyric video and it's very murky. What's this going to cost? I have to negotiate. They're going to email me back and they're, it's very, it's very like buyer beware. You don't know what the average rate is, what the going rate is. And you're just negotiating from an unknown place every time. And that's very daunting. It's like, you're going to, you're going to overpaying. You're going to get ripped off. Not to say that any individual companies are ripping people off, but as a consumer, you just don't know how to make an informed decision. And so right from the beginning, we thought, well, let's take away that objective. Let's take away that problem. You go to our website. Our pricing is listed from the beginning, so you don't have to feel like you're wandering into the cave to get your head bit off. You know, later on, you know what things cost right from the jump. But your song isn't maybe doesn't have the exact same number of lines or verses as as the song that you're looking at. So there's still a little bit of customization from there. And so we kind of use a um, a best of both worlds scenario. So a our pricing is super transparent. You can go have a look right now. If you're listening and you're wondering what stuff costs what. You can literally go spend five minutes and get a sense of what does a cartoon cost? What does an entry-level karaoke thingy cost? And all the stuff in between, you know? But also, uh, on each project, when we're talking to the person, hey, Andrew's sending me his new band song. I'm going to listen to the song, get a sense of how long is it compared to the average song. And then I can, what I do is confirm the price, you know? And so that's, that's a way that we make sure that we're never eating our shirt completely because certainly as a creative, that's quite difficult. But these days, you know, we've been doing this for eight years. We've produced thousands of videos i don't even know anymore and so when i listen to the song and i look at the concept i can kind of reverse engineer how many hours it would take to make that thing pretty damn close and so we rely on that experience at this point i think anybody who does a job over and over you you stop using the tape measure because you're like yeah. i know what a foot is I've, I've done this thing over and over and that's like that's like us with lyric videos at this point and then the final thing is we take the risk so if at the end of the day I tell you it's a thousand dollars for this this concept. And while we're working on it, um, oh damn, I didn't realize this bridge went on a little longer than I thought or whatever. It's like one thing that we've always done, and I think it's why we've got such a great reputation in the industry, is we don't come back and say, hey, 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 hand out for a little more money. We've we've always really approached it like contract is closed, we're gonna, we're gonna finish this video. And I just think that's why people share our our names with others and how we moved from working with indie-Canadian artists that some people had heard of to the biggest artists in the world that everybody's heard of.
1: Well, on that note, I do not. This is not a gotcha thing, but I wanted more for you to comment on how you've kind of learned from your experience. But a quote of yours is, "Yeah, it's tough to tell CeeLo Green you want double the money, aren't <laughs> you?" What's that all about? And it was that part of your learning to make sure you didn't undervalue your uh, your services?
0: That's funny. I can't remember when I said that, but I believe what I would have been talking about is the process of putting our prices up over the years, because in the beginning. I, it's funny, I was just looking at our old sales emails from seven or eight years ago. When I'm, I'm, I'm sending out sales emails right now. to the beginning of the year. Hey, introducing myself to new labels and new teams. We're currently spreading into the film business a little bit, hopefully getting into doing like animated intros for TV shows and movies and things like this. And so I'm doing lots of these sales emails. And in there, I stumbled on an old sales email from eight years ago when back then we were charging $99 for a video. And it's like... <laughs> Insanely (laughs) cheap. You can't, one could not make any money at that price point. And so over the years, as our quality of work increased and as our notoriety and resume increased, our prices kind of followed suit. They're not crazy still. We're still very, very affordable. Um, But probably what I was talking about with the you can't tell CeeLo Green the price has gone double is um, at some point in the middle there, you know, we're working with some big names, not as many as today, and we're booked 100% of the time. We have no days off. And so what you need to do in that situation, any business coach will tell you is to put your prices up a little bit so you lose kind of the bottom 20% of your customers and those are your days off now, you know? Um, but at a certain point, that bottom 20% were famous people. Yeah. And so it's like, what do you do in that situation where you need to put the price up for someone who is your hero? It's like, that is a that is a tricky place. And if I'm being honest, we're, we're still navigating that today. Sure. I worked on something last week for a big, big artist. I won't say who, but the money they brought wasn't appropriate for the size of artists we were dealing with. And so I just gave them double what they paid for. And I can't yeah. do that all the time. That's like it's but in a case by case basis, I'm going, "Hey, this person is a icon. Icon yeah. icon." I do not want in 25 years on a podcast someone showing me a video being like, "This is the best you could do?" <laughs> yeah. For Elvis? It's not Elvis, but this is the best you could do? And so, you know, whether it's the price has gone up or just that, "Oh damn, you know, I think I think we need to give these people an upgrade, you know, or whatever." Case by case, you try to do those uh, in a way that serves the client and their needs, but also for ourselves, you know. You can never go
1: wrong with under-promise and over-deliver. That's it. You've talked about kind of branching out into film and TV. I want to ask you if you're doing any corporate or brand work projects for non-music
0: clients. That's a great question. So it started last year with the film and TV side because thus far it's all been music industry except for occasionally we'll get contacted by somebody who's adjacent to music, who says, hey, would you want to help with this? Uh, Last year, we did a big project for MasterCard where they were actually creating lyric videos as a fun kind of viral marketing project. So through those kinds of peripheral projects, you'll just find yourself working with a MasterCard agency because they're kind of stepping into our space for a little while, you know. But somewhere in there, uh, we've been watching all these TV shows with cool intros like White Lotus and everything else. And it's like, hey, we could do this. Like This is pretty close to what we do, you know. Um, And after many you know, wasted time conversations about that, we decided to start. So we we made what we call a spec reel, which is just five shows that don't exist. We made intros for them so that people could kind of see what we do. And as we were rolling that out, what we found is a great number of those people work in the corporate world. And so we are now very early stages um, beginning some similar work on the corporate side of things. We're a little less passionate about it as artists about, you know, maybe making videos for law firms and things like this. It is isn't quite as exciting. But in saying that, we love challenges. And so mm-hmm. we're, certainly as, as we grow, I think we'll probably handpick a couple of corporate clients or maybe a couple of corporate clients will just pay us enough that like, hey, we're excited now or, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, but the film and TV thing, that's the part that's really exciting because from where we sit today, we've never worked with anyone in Hollywood. We don't know anyone in Hollywood. All we are are fans of TV shows and we've got a really big music industry resume. That we have a theory that we might be able to kind of like convert that energy into Hollywood momentum, but it's just a theory right now. And so we're just – we're about a week into cold emailing studios in Hollywood and everywhere else, smaller studios and you know, YouTube studios and all of these things. And maybe you know if you and I chat in a year from now, I'll be like, hey, man, it fell on its face. It did not work. <laughs> Nobody cared. Or maybe, you know, in a year or two from now, and we're having some other chat, I'll be like, hey, you know that new show on HBO? We did the intro for that. And it's an exciting time because we don't really know which of those scenarios it's going to be. But um, if it's anything like the music industry, I'm excited to see what comes. Well,
1: that's great. And it's, it's interesting that you still got to go back to the basics. Cold calling, cold emails. yeah to grow your business. It is uh, drop names time, Anthony, to the extent you're comfortable. We love hearing behind the scenes,
0: celebrity interactions. Do you hang out with your music clients? Any interesting stories you can share? So we don't. We started the company um, obviously in 2015, this is way before the pandemic. We were little babies back then. We were making videos for Maestro Fresh West, who I know personally is a very wonderful man and classified who I know personally is a very wonderful man. So all those Canadian guys we were working with, and I know those guys from my years as a rapper, you know, and so those are kind of friends in the industry. And so we hang out with them, I guess once in a while we're all old now. So no one really hangs out as much as they used to. But, um, but then when we kind of hit that first growth place, all our customers are in the States and the Netherlands now. So, and they're Getting kind of more famous, we well, yeah, We don't know these people, and they're and they're buying the internet, uh, the videos through the internet, right? So, but we always as things grew and oh, we're working with this company. Oh, here's a company we're big fans of. Now we're working with them, and uh, we always said through the pandemic it'd be really nice to go out there in the flesh and meet some of these people. For starters, it's the executives at the labels. It's the people that are, like like you and I are chatting right now. There's executives at BMG and at other at Warner that I talk to every couple of days now for years. They're like my friends, but. Like they're almost like co-workers just through email, you know. Um, And so we're heading to New York in just one week for Jess's uh, birthday. And we've got some meetings to meet with a couple of those people for the first time, which we're really, really excited about. And we're going down to uh, one of the big labels uh, that has like some of my favorite rappers assigned to this label. We're going to go down there in person and meet everybody. And so that's quite that's a first for us. And it's a really exciting threshold as we kind of step off the digital medium and into the kind of the real realm and go meet some of these people in in person. It's very exciting. It's been a a number of years of just living behind these computer workstations. Uh, So we couldn't be more thrilled about going to shake some hands uh, in real life. Well, relationships are still the core of any business. You got to have those real
1: interactions. Anthony, what do you tell people who are today working for the man and
0: want to start their own businesses and become entrepreneurs? Ah, that's a big one. Um, So first of all, it's not easy. I think, I hate people who say there are two types of people in the world, but in some ways there are two types of people. In the world. You know, if you're the kind of person who, you don't mind every morning getting up and grabbing your pickaxe and just like grinding away at something, that's entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is every day getting up and grinding away at the thing because if you don't grind at it, it goes away. It it it, flo- it blows away into the wind. As big as Lyric Vids is, and we've grown beyond my wildest dreams in terms of revenue and number of people and YouTube views and at every metric. And I'm still, when I get off the interview today, I'm selling because that's, that's how the company grows. If you're not swimming, you're sinking and all of these other kind of entrepreneurial things. So first of all, it's just a being an entrepreneur is a labor of love until the thing is so big that it just does its own thing. And that takes quite a long time. Once upon a time, a dear friend of mine, Shayla, and I were talking about this. And we talked about going out on your own as we described it as a perpetual leap of faith because every day you need to get out, get up and make the gamble again. It's like every day I'm going to put myself out there again and see if I still don't matter, you know, to the universe and to the my to my industry. And if you ever lose your edge, you won't. And that you'll slowly find yourself losing some of that foothold that you had a year ago or a month ago. That's the thing that I miss in quotes about having a day job, about being like, "Hey, I, as long as I don't just completely, you know, stop doing my job, I have a trajectory uh, forward. I, I provide just just enough value. I can kind of stay here and tread water. There is almost no treading water as an entrepreneur. But in saying that, I love it. I was a miserable, miserable individual when I had a boss because I don't like appearing busy when I'm not. I don't. I don't like uh, faking it till you make it and all these kinds of like things you do in a corporation where it's all about like trying to impress the guy above you and work your way up the ladder. That stuff drives me crazy. What I like is when you get up every day and you grind it out and then you win the big nugget, you win that big client that you never thought you could get. That's That gets me high for, for life. So if that describes you, oh, then take that perpetual leap of faith. It really is great when it's much more fulfilling when it's for yourself.
1: All yeah. the effort goes back to you. Anthony, what are you working on next as Ill Vibe? And what is next
0: for lyricvids.com? Well, as I'll Vibe, on February 24th, 2023, I'm releasing my new single, Drive Slow. It is co-produced by myself, which is a new development. I was never a producer through my many years of artistry. That's kind of late development, and I'm very proud of it because it took me a quite a lot of uh, time to catch up to my produ- producing peers, and I also produced it with a guy named Electro Ninja out of Los Angeles. So February 24th, really excited about my newest release. But other than that, the big focus is here at LyricVids. We are... Just starting another year. Last year was our biggest year ever, and if we're going to beat it, it's going to take a all year to do that. And so, in addition to the film and TV stuff, which I'm sure you can hear, we're very excited about, and it's kind of got my heartstrings right now. Um, it's a it's all about for me uh, the legacy work balanced with with the with the new artist work. I think legacy work is a great way for us to cement our legacy, kind of long term, and uh, the new artists. Uh, to be honest, for me, my big goal this year is I'd like to hit 500 million views on YouTube. That's like the big kind of number goal. And the way that we do that is through the Ed Sheeran videos. The way that we do that is through the Drake videos. And last year, for example, we made it very close to a Doja Cat video that didn't get approved at the final step. And I, I know that would have been worth another 20, 25 million. And so those are the those are the big eggs that we kind of chase throughout the year. And so fingers crossed. We haven't had one yet come in. It's the beginning of the year. But I'm hoping we got a big one coming down the pipe.
1: Well, I love you got the big goals. You're at 275 million views now. Your goal, 500 million. That's great to have a target. And then
0: a billion, my friend. <laughs>
1: that's, that's the long-term goal. It's going to take me a while to get there, but that's the long-term
0: goal. Anthony, where can we best follow you on social media? Well, for me personally, if you find my annoying, but not that annoying, uh, you can find me at Ilvibe anywhere. I'm at Illvibe on all social media. I think on one or two, someone beat me there. So I'm at Illvibe Music, but Very easily found. I'm verified on all social media, so I'm very easy to find. Lyricvids is Lyricvids, D-O-T-C-O-M on all social media. So Lyricvids.com, all spelt out. You can reach out, myself or Chrissy who manages the socials. We'll get back to you right away if you've got any questions or you just want to say what up. Um, And if you'd like to reach out to Lyricvids because you're an artist or you're in the music industry or you're an animator who'd like to inquire about kind of what we do and how we hire people, all that stuff, you can reach out to us at Lyricvids.com. Um, feel free to say you heard me on this podcast. I'm super approachable. Uh, we are proud Canadians. We run this company right out of here at out of our office here in Canada. Um, and so we welcome any interactions with our Canadian peers. Absolutely. Fabulous. Well, it was great meeting you. It was great hearing
1: all your stories in this dual life, the artist, the lyric vids, and wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Uh, Long live Toronto Legends podcast. (laughs) You got it. And to the listeners, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Anthony Krapurata and Ill Vibe, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo.